Hello and welcome to episode 2 of the Austerity Pleasures podcast. My name is Ben Morgan, I am your host. Once again we're showcasing the acts who appeared at the Corbyn Mania gig recently in Brighton. Uh, in episode 1 we heard a large chunk of Nathan Wilcox's set. Uh, in future episodes you'll be hearing from the headliner Don Biswas, who sounds like this. If you're anti-immigration, it doesn't make you racist. Real racism is what happened last year and a bloke came up to me in London, took one look at me and said to me, mates, go back to where you came from. And because I was dyspraxic, unfortunately, I had to ask him for directions first. (laughs) (laughs) And you'll be hearing topical jokes from Ashley Hayden too. NHS, we spend four million a year on homeopathy. Four million a year on shit that does not work. We don't have enough beds, but we've got dream catcher for every one of them. <laughs> Later in this episode, we have a contribution from comedian Russ Mulligan on the Snoopers Charter. Russ sounds like this. Hi, guys. Hello, Russ. But uh, this episode, we're largely focusing on a real-life MP who came down to Corbyn Mania and absolutely tore the roof off. He was very, very funny, and it was a good insight into life as an MP. His name is Magnus Turner, MP, and let's hear a short bit of his set. Thank you very much. Good evening. Magnus Turner, MP, at your service. Uh, you, you know, it's, it's not often I find myself addressing a comedy audience. Uh, I, I rather imagine you'd like me to tell you a joke. And I promise there will be one. But may I begin? May I begin by saying what a, what a great pleasure it is to be here this evening among so many ordinary, hard-working people. Uh, and of course, to pay tribute to the next Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, Jeremy Corbyn. that you only have to listen to the rapturous applause in the conference hall this afternoon for that marvellous speech and, and read the negative reviews of it tomorrow morning. Uh, I, I think, well, they, they've really, as, as, uh, as our compere said, you know, they, they've really been ripping into him. It's, it's been all Corbyn all the time, hasn't it? It's Jeremy, 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 Corbyn, Corbyn, Corbyn. Poor old Mr. Cameron has had to go to some terrible lengths to get back in the papers. I'm not going to go into all that. No, no, I, I, I don't want to go into all that. I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't want to bore you. To be honest, I don't believe a word of it. Uh, and, and even if it is true, who here does not have skeletons in their closet? Uh, I know I do. Uh, we, we all do, don't we? Don't we? <laughs> <laughs> we do, don't we? <laughs> it's lovely to see you again. <laughs> I, uh... I think, to be fair, this is the very first time a, a sitting Prime Minister has actually been accused of... Uh, uh, Acts of happy sexuality. Um, but um, but there's, a, no, there's a serious side to this. There's a serious side to this. Uh, I don't know if you heard last week, the uh, UK's productivity did actually dip because of so many people going on social media to tittle-tattle about it, uh, which, which simply proves, to my mind, that David Cameron is a threat to our economic security. <laughs> I, think, I think you should remember that. Next time you look upon our leader, a, a man of principle, a man of conviction, a man, but you can't blame him for that. A man, a man with, a man with unquestionably 
questionable friends. But, but, but you know, we all have those. We all have those. Some of you have brought yours with you this evening, and it's not this evening. Um, the, the fact is, we all have unusual friends. I mean, you don't make peace in politics by only talking to your friends. I once spent a week skiing with Pol Pot. <laughs> Last year, my wife and I spent Christmas in Pyongyang as guests of Kim Jong-un. And, and, and what a host he was, treated us like family. Uh, which is why we left a little early. Magnus Turner MP there, uh, recorded live at Corbyn Mania. We've got some more Corby Mania gigs coming up in Brighton and London in November and December. Um, stick with us and we'll give you details about that when we enter the admin zone later on. Exciting. Um, but for now, let's talk topical. A hell of a lot has happened in the two weeks since we last recorded an episode of the Austerity Pleasures podcast. For example, manufacturing in the north of the country is once again in disarray. Meanwhile, the UK treated the Chinese president to several lavish banquets before offering his country loads of manufacturing jobs. Nice touch, David Cameron. It's like he's, it's like he's trolling the north, isn't it? Just like Thatcher did before him. Some people have said, The only way Britain can make steel is with China. Mate, you're thinking of cups and saucers. It's always good to start the topical section of the show with a rubbish joke. So what I'm going to do is tell you one of my favourite jokes to make up for it, okay? If I fancy a flutter and I go into a bookies, there are often Chinese people in there. Now don't worry guys, this isn't offensive, it's just, just an observation. Every time I go into a bookies, there's always Chinese people in there. Which is strange, because I was always told that they hated Tibet. In light of a no doubt damning report into George Bush and Tony Blair's biggest mistake, it's been revealed that the Chilcot report has been delayed again and won't be out until June or July of 2016. We've now waited longer for this report than the actual length of the Iraq war itself. It's unbelievable. Uh, with this in mind, I've come up with a new phrase, Netflix and Chilcot, which is defined thusly, to procrastinate by binge-watching telly instead of producing a report on the Iraq war. I hope everyone had a nice Halloween. My mates wanted me to be a troll at their Halloween party, so I called them all cunts and refused to leave the house. Nailed it! And Jeremy Corbyn caused consternation, caused a furore, caused all the other things that the right-wing press like to say about him by not bowing completely when he was at the Cenotaph during the Remembrance Sunday service. I mean, technically he did do a bow, but it wasn't to the angle that they wanted, which means he hates all soldiers, dead or alive. Fact. You cannot argue with that, can you? Can you? Anyway, I've uh, posted a, a very angry letter to Jeremy Corbyn, and it should land on his doorstep any day now. And you know what? He'll have to lower his body more than 45 degrees to pick it up, and that'll teach him. <laughs> Tory tax credits cuts forward slash shambles news. The row over tax credits continues with no firm plans yet on the table, which means the poor, uh, you're going to be delayed before you have uh, your tax credits removed. Lucky you. You might even be over Christmas time. <laughs> How wonderful. A week ago, there was a vote in the House of Lords with the following millionaires voting to cut poor people's tax credits. The, these people included a man who flew in from America to the UK just to vote on this issue. Allegedly, David Cameron requested him to do so. It's theatre mogul Andrew Lloyd Webber and other haters of the poor include the owner of a JCB firm, a founder of a lingerie firm, Karen Brady, Alan Sugar's favourite lady, a Wellington boot tycoon, 
and Sebastian Coe, they all voted for the Tory tax credit cuts. And we have to teach these powerful people a lesson. So, personally, I will never, ever, ever watch The Apprentice ever again, or sing songs from musicals, then drive a digger through a puddle whilst wearing a bra, and go for a run ever, ever again. In other words, I shall carry on like normal. And finally, Katie Hopkins will not be charged for that migrants column where she likened drowning migrants to cockroaches, which is a lovely thing to say. And it reminds me of what happened after that column was published. There was a petition calling for Katie Hopkins to be sacked from the sun, which reached more than 300,000 signatures. And I was just I was just so angry at this. It's because of the following. You idiots, if you sign the petition, you idiots need to focus on her employer and not Katie Hopkins herself, okay? The Sun are most at fault here for allowing Katie Hopkins to say racist things for money, yeah? And they've basically got away with this scot-free. If you sign that petition, you are an idiot. Now let's cheer ourselves up with um, talk about the Snoopers Charter with comedian Russ Mulligan. Hello Russ. Hi guys, polymath Russ Mulligan here. Good afternoon, morning, night, delete as applicable. This week, the warm, amniotic, liberal consensus in the soft, velveteen corners of the internet where I do my Googles was soured by talk of investigatory powers bills and Theresa May's and hashtag Snoopers Charters. Uh, the investigatory powers bill. What's that about? Uh, okay, now I'm sure letting GCHQ and the NSA have legal access to everything we do online instead of them just having access to everything we do online seemed like a, a good idea at the time when it when it was thought up in the cocaine chamber in Downing Street you know but but like renewing trident or robust tests for seven-year-olds or George Osborne it seemed like a good idea at the time but scrutiny reveals it to have no merit you know without, without any factual basis desperately in need of robust tests uh, and I just want to take five minutes of your time to explain why the Investigatory Powers Bill is nonsense. Uh, and if you think it's a good idea, why you are probably a racist. I, I also realise that saying any of this to my hippie friends on Facebook is a waste of time. And anyone listening to Ben's Pinko podcast is probably a fucking communist anyway. Perhaps you might take some of these points on board and argue with a taxi driver. Or, or get into a fight on, on a late night phone in. Or, or something like that, typical to the peculiar person that you probably are. Uh, okay, so, Theresa May, she's had a big think, and the idea is, with this investigatory powers bill, is we get a law in place to help the goodies by monitoring everybody and using search history and keywords to capture the baddies before they do naughty things. And best of all, right, guys, none of us have got anything to worry about because... We have done nothing wrong. It definitely won't be used ever, definitely won't be used ever to control the population. You silly Simon slash Sarah delete as applicable. Strictly used to catch the naughty terrorists. For me, uh, the, the big red flashing light here. Uh, I, wonder who, I wonder who it is exactly they're going for. Because let's put ourselves in the mindset of our enemy, the common or garden terrorist, uh, for a moment, I'll try and do, try and do an impression, ah, 
Ah, d- down with the goodies without any reason or context forever ah. okay so, so there they are right? and and they all have a, a binary decision to make when deciding whether or not to use the american made intimaweb to plot bad terrorism yeah either a the us and uk governments could have access to everything that happens on a networked computer uh, let's not plan naughty things on them. Or, B, the US and UK governments definitely won't have access to our naughty things. Let's plot away with impunity. Fuck it. Right, okay. Um, they, they can make either of those two decisions. Uh, and I think probably that's why Al-Qaeda have such an aversion to computers. Uh, I know some of you might be thinking, I just thought Osama bin Laden really liked caves. Um, you know, and the fact that the the Americans only caught him when he came out and signed up for a Bebo account was was neither here nor there. You know, use a pseudonym, Osama, you fucking idiot. God, the West's enemies are so stupid. Uh, all right, guys. Ah, all right, guys. We need to plan this attack to like blow up Big Ben or something. Should we should we do it online or, or should we use slower, undetectable methods? Ah. Don't be such a paranoid, Peter. Let's do it online. Uh, probably. Like that, I imagine. Okay, so. Without any research, just a, a, a cursory glance at, at, at pop culture here. Here are a few things, you know, to do with spying or clandestine behaviour, right? Uh, just just a few nods to a couple of, In the first season of Spooks in 2002, right, the clever white... Irish terrorists only spoke via mobile phones that they referred to as burners. Okay, they made one call and then they threw the phone away. Uh, and I imagine they, it wasn't a contract phone. You know, and they, they probably didn't buy it themselves. Going back further into the dim mists of time, in the 1979 uh, Jean Le Carré novel Smiley's People, uh, General Vladimir, he, he won't discuss anything on a phone. Uh, he uses chalk to mark a post. And, and a mark that only a confident would understand the meaning of. Okay? Chalk marks to arrange times and meetings and meaning. Yeah? And, in, and in even further back in time, World War II, yeah? which ended more than 70 years ago, people only wrote messages, and this is in an age without computers, remember, that took the greatest minds more than two years to break, and they had to invent fucking computing in the process. But now, apparently, yeah, all, all, we all need to have our lives monitored to stop naughty brown baddies writing emails like, Dear Mohammed, I hope everything is going well with the jihad. Did you get the plutonium for the top secret mail bomb? Best regards, Mohammed. Russ! Don't be ridiculous. The naughty brown people will be using different words in the emails to plan bad things. Okay, it's it's weird though, isn't it? That jihad, uh, plutonium, top secret, and mail bomb are some of the terms that the NSA and GCHQ search for in our emails. For reals, that's the that's the that's the level we're working on. Since Snowden, uh, the NSA search terms are readily available with a quick Google search. It's quite funny some of the the keywords that they're searching for. Illuminati. Is a word that will get the NSA looking for you. That's crazy. Surely that's crazy. Why would they go after people investigating the Illuminati? It's not real. It's a totally 
fictitious thing. Why would they be after people trying to investigate? It's a conspiracist fantasy. It's totally, definitely not real. Why would they? Why? Why? Uh, other key words among the thousands that they target terrorists for are Playboy, cocaine, wank, utopia. 1984, sex, explicit, redheads, porn stars, and freedom. All dangerous terrorist terms linked with destroying our freedom. God forbid we end up with some lefty prime ministerial candidate in 30 years who, who wants to end the war on terror or stop investing billions into the military-industrial complex. If only GCHQ had some dirt on his 15-year-old self's browser history or some, some mucky selfies he took. You know, problem solved. Boom! <laughs> Guys, I'm joking. Go back to sleep. The investigatory powers bill is a really good idea and will definitely, definitely catch all of the naughty bad guys. Seriously though, I, I'm not going to be able to go to America ever again after googling all of these terms uh, without having the, the most thorough cavity search. Good night, God bless, and fuck you. You just heard Russ Mulligan. Warning. You are now entering the I hope you're enjoying the clips and highlights we have from the Corbyn Mania gig in Brighton. There is another one coming up in Brighton on Thursday the 26th of November. The comedians involved are Dan Wright, Declan Kennedy and we've got a headliner who is Nick Revel. Nick Revel began performing as a stand-up at the Comedy Store in 1980 so he's literally been going forever. His TV and radio credits include Live at Junglers, Just for Laughs, The Million Pound Radio Show on Radio 4, The Nick Revel Show, Just a Minute, The News Quiz, Quote Unquote, and he's been a writer on Drop the Dead Donkey, Dave Allen Show, Not the Nine O'Clock News, Alas, Smith & Jones, Rory Bremner, Jasper Carrot, The Week Ending, The News Hudlines, The Unofficial Election 2005 with Andy Zaltzman and John Oliver, who? <laughs> to name but a few he also co-hosts the acclaimed podcast no pressure to be funny and he's going to be in brighton on november the 26th that's a thursday to do an extended headline set for us early bird tickets are three pounds fifty just three pounds fifty there's only a handful of those available though so if you go to the austerity pleasures facebook group you'll see all the details for the corby mania gig in brighton you'll be able to find the ticket link for those cheap tickets if they are all gone then you can still buy tickets in advance for five pounds fifty and if they're all gone then we'll leave a few on the door for a whopping eight pounds but believe me it is worth every penny uh, we've also got corbyn mania london coming up in december it was going to be the day before the Brighton gig, but there's been a date change, unfortunately. It's looking like Tuesday, the 7th of December, at Aces and Eights uh, pub in uh, Tufnell Park, which is right by Tufnell Park Station. Um, we've got the original lineup from Corby Mania in Brighton appearing at Corby Mania London. So we've got Nathan Wilcock, Don Bizwas, uh, Ashley Hayden, Magnus Turner MP, and we're trying to secure a big name headliner for that show as well. Again, tickets for this show are £3.50 in advance for early birds. Uh, normal ticket price, £5.50 in advance. And on the door, you'll be able to buy tickets for eight quid. Once again, go to Austerity Pleasures Facebook page. You'll see the event page for Corby Mania London. Click on there. Click going. Click on the link for the tickets. And Bob's your uncle. 
And finally, the last bit of admin before we go back to listen to much more of uh, Magnus Turner MP is that you can ask Magnus Turner MP a question. Um, when he's not ignoring his constituents, he's happy to answer your questions on this podcast. So we ask you to email him directly at themtmp at gmail.com. I don't know the phonetic alphabet, so we'll we, we just do it this way. Tree, hippie, elephant, monkey, tree, monkey potato at gmail.com and you can ask him any question you want and he will answer that question on a future episode of this podcast and also you can follow magnus turner on twitter at the mtmp once again t-h-e-m-t-m-p and you can follow him on facebook as well magnus turner mp that's where i would follow him because he's often often updating that one the most it's very very funny and that's all the admin done for now you are now leaving the admin zone. Yes, you've now left the admin zone, and we're going to finish this episode of the Austerity Pledges podcast by listening to a large chunk of Magnus Turner's set. Until next time, my name is Ben Morgan. See you next time. You know, I've known Jeremy, of course, for all my political life. Uh, I, I first came into Parliament a little under 30 years ago, in, in 1987, just four years after Jeremy. Um, of course, in those days, I, I was a Conservative backbencher, but, um, but I, I'm not a Tory anymore. No, no, no. I, and, and I was always a radical socialist at heart. I, I, was, I was fighting from the inside. I, I, remember, I remember the look on John Major's face when I, I stood up in the House and said, Does the Prime Minister agree with me? It's all going jolly well. And, and he knew what I meant. He knew what I meant. It was a subtle business politics. Um, but um, no, it was in 1997, just ten years after I took my seat, that I realised the Conservative Party had lost touch with ordinary, hard-working people who do the right thing. And were about to lose an election. So, so I crossed the floor to Labour. Uh, crossing the floor is a technical parliamentary expression. I don't consider you stupid for not understanding. It, it simply, means, simply means I changed parties. Uh, and, and I did so again five years ago when I realised. When I realised the Labour Party had lost touch with ordinary, hard-working and so on. And, and I crossed the floor to the Liberal Democrats. And that is where I stayed. Until the beginning of May, when I came home to Labour. Uh, and, and let me be very clear, the, the candidate I replaced stood down of his own volition, and for entirely personal reasons. Um, to, to use a phrase I've heard a lot at the conference this week, he did a chooker. <laughs> just, just the once, a half chooker. Um, but, uh, <laughs> I'm going to talk to you about the general election, because it was terribly exciting, wasn't it? Oh, I thought so. I, I thought it was marvellous. I, I thought, um, no, I thought it went, went tremendously well, apart from the result. It was a night that was seared on our heart in pain and anguish. Of course it was, but there was also good news. I held on to my seat. It, it was never, never seriously in doubt. I, I, I ran a, an unswervingly positive campaign. Uh, no dirty tricks, no smears, no backbiting. Unlike the liars, thieves, and perverts I was standing against. <laughs> but, uh, I, think, I think on reflection, I, 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 I do wish I'd spoken more about aspiration. Uh, uh, I, 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 did, I did have one 
rather difficult moment in the campaign. I was addressing uh, some students at a university. I, do we have any students here? Hardly. No, <laughs> um, uh, no but they, they were very concerned about the, uh, the whole unfortunate business of tuition fees. Um, and as I explained to them, they, they wouldn't have to repay a penny of their student loan until they started earning over £21,000 a year. And from what I could see, very few of them would find themselves in that position. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not ridiculing the students, they have a very hard time financially. You, you may have seen, there was an article recently in the Times um, about the, the shocking number of young people who have turned to working in the sex industry simply to pay their way through further education. And this is a very serious issue. And, and if, if this is an issue that affects anyone here, or, or you know anyone who's affected by it, please speak to me afterwards. <laughs> Particularly if they have any specialism. <laughs> I think, I think uh, what, what swung the election for me, of course, was I, I've always had a tremendously close relationship with the voters in my constituency. Of... <laughs> and it really doesn't matter. But the, the, the important thing is my, my voters were able to move on from the unfortunate Paisley pyjama incident of a few months ago. <laughs> I was wearing pyjamas two sizes too small, I accidentally activated the camera on my telephone. <laughs> Somehow we uploaded to Grindr, these things happen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they were also very, very keen on the position I took on the, the important issue of decriminalizing ordinary, hard-working, TV license fee evaders like you. Uh, as, I, as I said in the debate, what sort of a country sends people to prison for not having a television license. In prison, they'd be able to watch it for nothing. And that was not... <laughs> Glad you agree. Uh, yes, uh, and I'm not saying prison is an easy option, as I'm sure many of you know. Uh, <laughs> well, not, not, not you, you're, you're far too young to run into prison. Uh, 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 some sort of borstal. <laughs> just, just the Asperg, well done. Um, I, uh, I, I must say, I'm, I'm very pleased to see so many of the younger faces here this evening. I, I think one of the, the great achievements that, that Jeremy has, has made, one of the great contributions that will outlive him within the party, is to have attracted so many children to the party. <laughs> because it, it's, it's, your, it's your, your future we're fighting for as well. Because politics, you know, matters to every one of us, even you do. And, and, and it's, not, it's not about the Palace of Westminster's subsidised restaurants and bars, the expenses and allowances, the final salary pension scheme, the 11% pay rise, the overseas corporate funded trips, it's not even, it's not even about the free snuff available at the entrance of the Commons. I certainly missed that if it weren't there. Uh, no, no, it's about... You! You! Uh, and that's why I'm here. So I can say, at least I tried to get through to you. Uh, because, because I know how to communicate with you. Uh, by explaining things, very simply indeed. Uh, ask, me, ask me my top priority for communicating with the public, I'll tell you. Simplification, simplification, simplification. Really can't be too simple for you. Do I have all the answers? No, I don't. Am I always right? 
more often than not, in fact, yes, I am. Uh, do I use the rhetorical device of asking myself questions, of answering myself questions? Yes, I do. Yes, you want honesty from your politicians. You want directness, integrity, authenticity. I get it. And, and I care. I care about the things you care about. I care about the things you care about. I care exactly about what you care about. Um, uh, beer. <laughs> Soccer. <laughs> Zayn Malik. Uh, and, and the other boys, of course, all that have equally. Hunting legislation. Um, immigration. Uh, now, I'll be honest, I'm not frightfully bothered personally about immigration. But I know many of you are appalling racists. So, <laughs> let me be absolutely clear. I am opposed to immigrant caps. It would be inhumane to make people wear them. <laughs> I mean, immigration, in a small way, has been very, very good to me. Um, my, my wife and I, uh, we, we, we let out uh, one of our properties to, to a young German couple. Uh, who, who moved over here to, uh, to start a family. And they're, they're a charming couple. Um, they, they're originally from the Black Forest, but they don't want to raise children in a ghetto. Um, <laughs> uh, well, that's what they told me. Um, my, uh, my, my wife and I don't have children, um, uh, sadly. We, we had hoped to, but, but we have a, a problem in, in that department. Um, but I say we have a problem. It's, it's, it's my wife who has the problem. Uh, she can't bear to touch me. And, well, it, it's no laughing matter. A lot of women are like that, in my experience. Uh, and, and, and no, I, I, I'm sorry we never had children. I, I feel we've missed out on some important benefits. But, uh, this is why we've always had dogs, you see, as sort of substitutes. Uh, not, not that I treat the dogs as like children. You can't be children. I don't know. I don't know if anyone here. I don't know if anyone here read the book I wrote some years ago about going for long walks through the Peak District with my dog Rex. You, you did, sir, did you? Yes, it, it is still available uh, from certain eBay sellers. It, it's called um, Magnus Rex from the Parks to the Benches. <laughs> allegorical study of contemporary politics. Uh, now, I called it an allegory uh, because that helped it sell a little better. But I, I learned so much, you know, from Rex on those walks. I, I learned about love, and loyalty, uh, that way of sliding your bottom along the carpet when you get there. <laughs> so I, I, think that, I think the key messages, political messages from the book, could, could be summarized as uh, the importance of uh, instilling complete obedience in those you command. When to use the choke chain, when not to cheat treat and achieve the same results, penny for beer or whatever. Um, if, if you wander far enough from public gaze, no one will know if you clear up the shit, so why bother? Um, I, I had some effusive praise for that chapter in particular from Tony Blair. Um, and, and ultimately, of course, ultimately, the sheer convenience of euthanasia. Uh, Rex was elevated some years ago to the great dog house of lords in the sky. It didn't matter, it was only a dog, we got another one. Um, but, um, I, I, think, I think perhaps I've wandered a little from my theme. Um, uh, and suffice to say, ladies and gentlemen, I, well, let me say this, je suis Corbynista, to my very soul. And, and, and let us never forget the great contribution he made to the leadership debates 
of making the others say something. <laughs> uh, a rather underhand tactic, I thought. He'd had far more practice than they had. But, but even so, um, I, I, was, I was with some friends uh, discussing the victory the other evening, uh, singing the red flag. Um, at, at the Reform Club. It's, um, it's a private member's club in London, you won't have heard of it. It's, um, well, I, I think you'd find it very expensive. It's, um, <laughs> membership's over £2,000 a year now, and, and the drinks are not cheap, but, but worth it for the people you meet there. Uh, and, and importantly, those you don't. And, <laughs> and we agreed, we agreed, you know, as we sat in that panelled paradise in Pall Mall. The real problem with politics today is elitism. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, in the last 40 years, almost every Prime Minister and Leader of the Opposition has either gone to public school, Oxbridge, or both. Which is ridiculous, isn't it? Isn't it? It is. It is. I know I speak for everyone here when I say the people of Britain are heartily sick and tired of this country being run by the well-educated. <laughs> this is why for uh, the election I, I ran on the slogan Out with the Etonians, in with the illiterates It's time they had to go I mean, I mean like Jeremy, I was privileged I went to a dreadful school um, learned, learned next to nothing The only fees I had to pay were to avoid being beaten up <laughs> and, and sometimes I still was uh, rather like paying tax to fund the police, I suppose. Um, uh, now, now, look, you know, look. Earlier, I promised you a joke. And when I made that promise, I had every intention of keeping it. <laughs> I'm going to have to leave you now. I, I, I'll be here. For the rest of the evening, if anyone wants to find me in the break to have their photograph taken with me, or, or, or to shake my hand, or, or indeed if you have any burning issues you wish to raise. <laughs> although, although, I'm not a fireman! <laughs> I'm Magnus Turner MP. Cheerio!